Well, good morning, everyone. I just want to give you kind of a heads up this morning. We're going to be painting with some very uh, broad strokes. This morning, we're going to be painting in high contrast. And we're not going to be talking about gray areas. We're not going to be talking about... In in the early service, I really believe that uh, we painted... Uh, with such high contrast in the message, I believe that's when God shows up because I believe there's a presence of God here. What I'm experiencing and through the early service and even this morning in this service, there's a presence of God here because he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're actually going to to create a really high contrast uh, picture of who God is. We're going to be painting the devil dark. And we're going to be painting God with light. And we're going to say there is no room in the middle. And we're just going to give us these, uh, these uh, vast extremes this morning. Because our key scripture in John 10.10 10 is where we're going to start. How many of you know that we live in a dark world? If you have not experienced spiritual darkness, if you have not experienced uh, the demonic realm, I do want to uh, talk a little bit this morning as we go on uh, about that. And, And actually a lot of what we're going to be talking about this morning, we are going to be talking about the devil. We're going to go ahead and expose him for what he is this morning, but then we'll move on from there. So, John 10.10 says this. He said, the thief, we know who that is, does not come except. If we read that first part, we would be like, hallelujah, the thief does not come. But that's not what it says. Except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Everybody say steal. Steal. Everybody say kill. kill. Everybody say destroy. Now say, aha devil, I found you out. Jesus has already told us what the devil is about. He called him the thief, that's his, that's his name. He can't do anything but steal because he is the thief. The words out of Jesus' own mouth. Let me read you a quick story. On the night of September 19th, 1910, Mary Hiller was awakened in the middle of the night by a noise downstairs. She immediately roused her husband, Clarence, and going downstairs, he ran into an intruder on the staircase. After a struggle, the intruder shot Clarence twice. The intruder, upon fleeing, touched the wet paint on a porch rail outside the house, leaving behind four perfect fingerprints. A man named Thomas Jennings was apprehended by police a short time later. And the prints in the paint were so pronounced that the investigator decided to see if they matched the ones on Jennings' fingers. They did, and he was convicted because of it. And it was the first time that prints were used to connect a criminal to his crime. There are 7.4 billion people in this world. And I don't think that we grasp what that number really looks like. Um, 7.4 billion is beyond what you could ever count. If you had lifetimes to do nothing but count, you could not count all the people in this world. 7.4 billion people and no two people on this planet have the same fingerprints. And you say, you know, people say they don't believe in the design of God. And it's 7.4 billion people know to have the same fingerprints. I, I, just, I just have to argue with you about that. Not even identical twins. Identical twins do not have the same fingerprints. Because fingerprints form in the womb at 10 weeks old. 
You know what that tells me? That a person, a human being has fingerprints and has a design and a call of God on their life and a destiny unique to everyone else in the world at 10 weeks old in the womb. And you, you know, and we can go down a whole different road with that subject, but that's not what we're here to talk about. The most used method to connect a person to an incident is fingerprinting. Uh, the Lacard's exchange principle is what investigators learn. And that principle says this, that you will always leave your mark. Wherever you go, you will leave something behind. So when someone comes and they commit a crime, investigators take for granted there's going to be something here that belonged to the criminal. And most, more often than not, it's a fingerprint. John 10.10 in the Passion Translation says this. It says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, to slaughter, and to destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to our heart. Lord, that the things that you put on my heart over this past week to speak this morning, Lord, that it would be clear in the spirit and that you would give us ears to hear in the spirit so that we would know what you're saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that there's a level of maturity that a believer can walk in where they can go into a situation and they automatically know who's been on the scene based on the fingerprints left behind. What do I mean by that? I mean that you, as a Christian, you can walk into a room and something has happened and you know it was the hand of God or it was the hand of the enemy. And guys, I'm telling you, we're stepping into a time in, in eternity. We're stepping into a time in this world and an age in this world where you're going to have to know the difference. Where we're going to have to know the contrast between the work of the enemy and the work of our God. When, when we walk into a situation, God doesn't get blamed for the devil and the devil doesn't get credit for what God's doing and we don't get those mixed up and we don't walk out of a situation without doing anything because we're confused about where it came from. We're going to have to learn how we can walk into a situation and we recognize who's been there by the fingerprints left at the scene. And can I tell you, you God nor the devil leaves a scene without fingerprints. They're always going to leave their mark behind. Everybody say this, say Satan comes to steal. John 10, 1, just if we just back up from John 10, 10 that we just read at the beginning of this chapter, it's what he said. He said, verily, verily, very important. I say to you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. This is where he's introducing us to the thief. Later on, nine verses later, he begins to outline what the devil stands for and what the thief is all about. But right here, he's introducing us to this thief. And he's saying, he's introducing it this way. He's saying, if you, if it comes any other way except by the gate, then it's of the, then it's from the thief. And the thief does not come except to steal. Nothing good ever comes under the table. Nothing good ever comes over the wall. Nothing good ever comes out of the view of the good shepherd. Guys, I want to tell you, if we're in a conversation with one of our, with some of our more spiritual friends, 
And there's things we don't talk about because there are more spiritual friends. Then maybe those things shouldn't be in our life. If there's things that we hide from our more spiritual friends, chances are we've been hiding them from the good shepherd as well. Chances are we've allowed something to come over the gate because we we didn't want it to come by his gaze. Because at the gate is the good shepherd. He stands at the gate. He stands there guarding the way into your life. But guys, so many times... We allow things to come over the wall in our life. And can I tell you that it doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm in business. I understand what a good deal looks like. But I also understand that if I have to sacrifice one little piece of my moral and right standing with God to get that done. Then it's not worth it. Because the thief comes only to steal. If the thief comes over the wall and I let him over the wall because what he's offering looks good. I want to tell you guys, the Bible says that we're supposed to surround ourselves uh, with, with, with people that we're supposed to not let anything be established except by the word of two or three witnesses. And I don't know if, uh, and I know not everybody in here is married, but if you are, you have a witness right there under your roof. And guys, there's so many things that I wish that I could do, that I see things, opportunities show up. There was one recently, and a very... Uh, it seemed like a very lucrative opportunity. It was kind of on the on the edge of something. And it shows up and I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's 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 gotta be the next thing. So I'll go and I'll tell my wife about it. And my wife was like, right off the bat, she's just like, No, that's not God. That's not it, you know. And I'm like, You haven't even thought about it. How can you be so quick? And I get so angry, I'm just like, You're robbing this from us, you know, or whatever. But guys, then in hindsight, it's just like, Yeah, she was right, you know, that wasn't God because there was one little thing, just one little thing that I had to sneak past the gate, you know, could bring it over the wall to get this accomplished. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's so tempting. Guys, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how much money is involved. It will steal more than it gives you. Always. The only way that the devil would give you anything is if he knew he could take more in the process. And it's some of the things we look at money and we're just like, yeah, you know, I, I need that. I appreciate money or whatever. But there are things we need to value more. Than success, than money, than all of these things. Um, Even being popular. There's things that we need to start valuing more so that we see. But but if I let you in and bring me this, I know you're going to take that and it's not worth it. Nothing is worth that. And guys, it doesn't matter how small it is. If, let me, let me just lay it out. It doesn't matter how small of a thing you have to sacrifice in your relationship with God. Doesn't matter. How small it is. God would never ask you to sacrifice that. God would never offer to bless you if you had to give up some of your, part of your relationship with Him. So you know what that tells me? It didn't come through the gate. It must have come over the wall. And the thief only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Can I tell you, Satan works in the dark. Sin grows in the dark. Guys, normal plants, Mr. Jimmy, we pray for him this morning. We're going to continue praying for Mr. Jimmy and Brother Larry. And we're just going to see restoration in their life. Brother Jimmy is a, uh, a self-proclaimed horticulturist. I mean, he, he, he's, the, he's one of these guys that he uh, takes limbs from this tree and limbs from this tree and, and puts them together and grows a tree that has four different things growing on it. I mean, that's what just, he just loves to do that. But he would tell you just like anybody else that plants need light. They need light to grow. 
Um, I have two fig trees in, in, at my house, and they, they put out a decent amount of figs, but nothing what they should be putting out. And the reason is because they're growing up under some big oak trees. They're not getting enough sunlight. And so, it, normally in God's creation, in God's kingdom, things grow in the light, but not in the devil's kingdom, not in what the devil does. Everything that the devil does, every seed he plants will only grow if it's in the dark. It'll only grow if it's hidden. Do you know what his number one weapon is against us? You say, well, you're thinking of something like some kind of an offensive weapon. No, I'll tell you what it is. It's shame. Because if you are in shame about something that's going on in your life, you will keep it hidden, you will keep it dark, and it will grow. Let me tell you what's going to happen, and I'll tell you from experience. It will continue to grow until it grows out for the world to see. It won't stop growing. The only way to kill... What the devil plants is to shed light on it, to shine light on it, to bring it out into the light, and it will shrivel and die, I guarantee you. And I'll just go ahead and tell you this in the process. God does not care about your pride. In the process, He is after your soul. And I'm just just letting you know that you'll have to lay down some pride in the process. But we can get into some other... Okay. Um, so Satan does not sneak in to bless you he never has he never will he wants what you have he is a thief he's come to steal he wants what you have there is a kleptomaniac side to the devil there are these people there's this thing called kleptomania we all know what that is where someone goes into a house they go into a store or whatever and they cannot leave without taking something it's a, it's a compulsion it's, this, uh, it's a disorder and so, uh, people, they'll come into your house or whatever, and they look around, and it doesn't even matter what it is. It's not even, it doesn't have to be valuable. It's not about that. It's a compulsion to steal something, and that's what the devil is. The devil is a kleptomaniac. He comes into your life, and he will not leave without taking something. He cannot. It's part of his nature. He has to steal from you. When he, you let him into your life, it will never end good, and you will never be increased. He will always decrease you. He wants to reduce you. He wants wants to get his hands on what doesn't belong to him. He wants your peace. He wants your joy. He wants your hope. He wants your health. He wants your sound mind. You will sacrifice something to get what he's got because he wants to reduce you. Just like in the Garden of Eden, Satan is trying to present to us a different truth all the time. Did God really say? Did God really say that? He's always trying to get us, our eyes off of the life giver and on something else. And the only reason he's trying to do that is because he wants entrance. He wants entrance more than anything. And if you grant entrance, he won't leave without taking something. Satan, everybody say this. Satan, Satan. comes to kill. He does not give life. There's nothing the God of this world can give you that will bring life. John 8, 44 uh, says this. And this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Can I tell you, the, the, the Israel uh, during that time was living in a very, very dark time because the Pharisees were the spiritual leaders. And they were walking in deception. They had been completely deceived by the enemy. They were walking in deception and Jesus called them out on it. But these are the spiritual leaders, which means everybody looked up to these guys. Everybody looked up to these people, to the Pharisees, because they were the representation of God in the nation of Israel. But the leaders had been deceived. And this is what Jesus told them. He said, you are of your father, the devil. 
and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus could not have been more plain. Or he could not have created a more awkward situation. But he spoke the truth and he laid it out. And here it is for us in black and white. That he, the, he's saying that the devil is the father of lies. There is no truth in him. He will always lie about his intent. Intentions. Just remember that. The devil will never come into your life and be truthful about what he intends. He will always lie about his intentions. So it will never be obvious at the beginning unless you know the difference between his voice and the voice of the true shepherd. There will be a great falling away. In this world, as things began to heat up, there will be a great falling away. The Bible says that. The Bible promises that there will be a falling away of people from the church. And the reason that that can happen is because the devil is a good liar. And when things begin to heat up and the devil is on one side saying, the pressure's on this side and the, and the devil's on this side saying, did God really say? And the devil's promising a way out, a way out, a way out. God, the devil's always promising something, but he's a liar. He does not give. He only takes away. <clears throat> Proverbs fourteen twelve says this. It says, there's a way that seems right to us. This seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Have y'all ever watched these... Uh, prescription commercials the car the car dealership commercials are just as bad but the prescription commercials where half of the commercial is a disclaimer right and so it's like you see all these people and they're just so happy and just and living life in slow motion you know with the sun shining and you know and all this stuff and they're completely feeling so much better because of this drug but then the last half of it is this guy speaking too fast for you to hear exactly what he's saying but you hear things like remember heart disease you know and it's just like so there's this uh, so there's the Imagine, if you will, there's a commercial that promises this thing will, will help you with your psoriasis. You know, nothing cures you. But it will help you deal with your psoriasis. But one of the side effects is heart disease. Yeah, but most of us, we hear the commercial and we're like, well, one in how many? You know, how many of the test subjects developed heart disease? You know, is it worth it? You know, and we try to do the math on it. It's like, no, it is not worth it. Do not trade your skin disorder for a heart disorder. That is craziness. But guys, that's what we deal with. You know, we're, we're our, our uh, digestive, you know, issue or whatever. And it's just like, it may cause a brain tumor. It's like, what? No, I don't want a brain tumor. You know, I'll deal with this digestive issue. But they will never tell the truth. It's always like, paints this glorious, great picture, you know. But on the back end comes the truth. It's the same with the car commercials, you know. It tells you about, you know, 72 months, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just like, I'm going to be honest for 72 months. Um... But there's a way that seems right to man, but the end is death. Um, Satan, everybody say this with me. Say, Satan, Satan comes, comes to destroy. To destroy. <clears throat> I'm going to rock some boats. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Um, hurricanes, earthquakes. You know, Pastor Jonathan and his family just went through a hurricane there. They got a hole in the roof and everything. Um, 
Our hurricanes and earthquakes, they didn't exist in the Garden of Eden. Well, what was the Garden of Eden? Garden of Eden was uh, what God created. Before sin came in, He created the Garden of Eden. He created that, and there wasn't a hurricane, there wasn't an earthquake. And I dare say there's not any of that going on in heaven either. Aren't we supposed to be praying for the kingdom to come to earth? Didn't Jesus teach us to pray that the kingdom of heaven would come to earth? If they don't exist in, it didn't exist in Eden, they don't exist in heaven. And I just want to dare say that it can't be from God. Let me take it a step further. Cancer. And yeah, I just feel like I need to say, yes, I'm talking to you, cancer. HIV. And COVID-19. Yes, I'm addressing you too. They did not exist in the Garden of Eden. They do not exist in heaven. And they should not exist here. The difference is the reign of the author of destruction. Adam stopped listening to God. He started listening to the enemy and gave the enemy entrance. And what has come as a result of that? On a micro scale, you give the enemy entrance in your life and destruction comes. On a macro scale, you give the enemy entrance and destruction comes. It's time for us to paint in high contrast. It's time for us to stop giving the devil blame for what God has done, or credit for what God has done, and giving God the blame for what the devil has done. Say this with me. Say, God, God builds. builds. Satan, Satan tears, down. tears down. Say, God creates. God creates. Satan, deteriorates. Satan deteriorates. God is about beginnings. About beginnings. Satan, wants Satan wants it to end. When Adam aligned himself with Satan... Destruction, deterioration, decay came into our world. But enough about that filthy loser, the devil. Let's talk about the other part of this verse. Because Jesus said, I have come that they may have life. And that they may have it more abundantly. When God has been on the scene, the fingerprints left behind are specific only to Him. He is the only thing on this planet. The Holy Spirit is the only thing on this planet that has creative power. You can't make some, pull something out of nothing. Nobody can. Nothing has creative power except God. And when we walk into a scene and we see creative power, we know that God has been there. We know that he has the ability to create life out of death, but not just life, life more abundantly that spills out. That's what uh, in the Passion Translation it says, um, it says this, it says, life in its fullness until you overflow. See, God's, God's goal in your life is not just to bring you life, but it's to bring life so abundantly that you overflow and the environment around you becomes more like heaven. What's in heaven? Life. Not death. Life. Everybody say this to me. Say, Satan 
comes to destroy. Satan comes to kill. Satan comes to steal. But say, but God has come that we may have life. I didn't write that. Jesus said that about himself. We did um, throwbacks. Over the last few weeks we did, uh, you know, our, our, the message series was throwback. And we are talking about the things that we need to get, the basics that we need to get back to. So I've got a throwback for you this morning. And you've got to be, gotta be quick. And you've got to be from, you know, a little bit back in church history to be able to, to, to do it. But uh, here we go. Are you ready? God is good. Ah, uh, some of you got it. And all the time. God is good. And all the time, God is good. I don't think we got it yet. And all the time, God is good all the time. No one has a fingerprint like our God. Nothing, when we walk into a situation and God has been there, it's got to be evident. We got to know that God was here. And how do we know? Galatians says this in verse, uh, in chapter 5, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, what does that mean? It means where the Spirit has been, these things will be. The fruit of the Spirit is Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. That means when, when God is on the scene, unrestrained, doing what He wants in those He loves, those are the results. That is what comes from the Spirit of God being given full reign in a situation. Those things show up. Do you see hate, depression, unrest, short-temperedness, rudeness, evil, unfaithfulness, roughness, or selfishness on that list? No, those are the opposites of the words we just said. If you see those things, that is not God. The fruit of the Spirit. You know, those things... Uh, sound a lot like the rotten fruit of the enemy. If we see those things, we know that the devil is work. And guys, I want to tell you, there's got to be something in us that clicks when we see the devil at work. I'm saying that it's time for us to walk into a situation and when the devil has been there, something clicks in us that we stand against it. We're not confused about it. We don't walk away not wanting to engage to avoid awkwardness or whatever. We engage. Because that's what we're here for. We are here to spread light in dark places. And a lot of us, we, walk, we cover the light up and we back out slowly. But when we walk into a situation where the devil has been at work, we can't back up. We've got to let our light shine. Um, you can trust God. More than you can trust anything or anyone else. My, uh, I, I trust my wife more than anybody else on this planet because we've been through a lot, of a lot of years, a lot of hard times, and we've grown to really, really be able to trust each other. We've become very transparent with each other. And so we can trust each other very well, but I trust God more. Guys, I want to tell you something. If I misappropriate something that the devil has done, and I blame it on God, my trust for God just went a little lower. How can I trust someone that could do evil things? 
how, if I'm confused about that, and I know I'm just, I'm really muddy in theological waters right now, but um, if I'm confused about that one fact, I cannot trust him fully anymore. Guys, God is good. He's good to you. He's good to me. We cannot question that. We cannot allow ourselves to get in this, um, this, uh, this gray area where, you know, guys, I want to tell you, God has painted, Jesus has painted here in John 10, 10 with very uh, high contrast strokes. He is high contrast colors. He said, this is the devil and this is me. You can trust me because I want to bring life and life more abundantly to you. Um, I want to um, talk real quick about, let me just say this before we move on. Jesus loves you if, you, if you're doubtful about it. Jesus loves you to the cross and back. You've heard that said, I love you to the moon and back. I don't even know what that means. <clears throat> if I was on the moon, I would love you as much. Well, of course, I don't know. What does that prove? I don't know. I can't get to the moon, so you'll never know. So, but he loves you to the cross and back. How do I know how much he loves me? Guys, come on. It's the foundation of our relationship with him. Is that he gave up heaven. He came and suffered for you. He went to the cross for you. How can we doubt his intentions? <clears throat> we, uh, earlier this year, we took a trip to India. It's a beautiful country. Um, way too many people. Way too many people. It's one of those places where you just can't get alone. And it's just like, it drives me crazy. But, um, so, it's a beautiful country, but there was a, uh, I had an opportunity uh, to, to preach a message at one of the churches in the village there. And it was kind of an open air situation. And I, I preached, uh, I didn't have a message. Uh, David, we were with David Cuppin and he just told me to preach like five minutes before I was supposed to. So I'm like, oh God, give me something, you know. And um, I know I preached what I was supposed to preach. And it was, because I opened up the Bible, I didn't even know the scripture was in there. That's how you know it's God. But it was, it was the scripture about, uh, about false gods and about idols. And I'm like, oh God, we're in India. You know, everyone's Hindu. They're like, you know, they have idols everywhere. You know, it's just like, it was just like, well, but I know it's God because it was just like, it, you know, totally spot on where I'm at and what we're doing. And so I got up there and I opened with that scripture. And, you know, and I felt like all the oxygen was sucked out of the room, you know. <clears throat> but, but basically, and then I just went on to preach about uh, the Holy Spirit, you know. And, uh, but anyway, there was something that started on that trip um, that I don't talk about a lot. And something happened in me on that trip that it took me a long time to mention at all. And it was about that time that... I started getting very sick. <clears throat> and different situations played out so that we missed our flight. And I was very sick and I was probably barely able to make it home. Because, you know, they don't let you on the plane if you, you're obviously sick. And 20-hour flight, you know. And, and, uh, and I knew I wouldn't be able to make it very long on the flight because the area India smells like curry. 
I mean, the plane smells like curry, and that was, and it was just like I couldn't smell things. I, um, but I had gotten really sick, and, and Leah, I couldn't eat anything. Leah went and found some plain rice. I tried to eat just a kernel of rice and got sick. I could not get anything, uh, eat anything. I couldn't. But <clears throat> which everybody gets sick, you know, when you go to other countries. Everybody, if you go long enough, you'll you'll get, end up, you know, getting sick. But what was different about this <clears throat> is that it kept getting worse. And it kept getting worse. And then we missed our flight. And everybody went back to the States except us. And so the, uh, the, the, the pastors there in India put us up in a, in a hotel. And I'll just go ahead and say it. The finest hotel in India is, like, uh, is not as good as the worst hotel here. Um, that's just the way it is. And, um, and you know, there's... Uh, well, I'll just I'll just say, there's uh they don't change the sheets and stuff like that, or they hadn't, and the, there's really bad bed bugs, and you know, so I'm laying on the bed with all my clothes on and with my pullover like pulled tight around. My, this is the only skin that was showing, you know, and still I just got eaten alive with bed bugs. So, but on top of that, I'm I'm so 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 sick. <clears throat> but the problem is this, is I was going downhill rapidly. I wasn't, I hadn't, I hadn't leveled out. You know what I'm saying? I just kept getting sicker and sicker to the point that I started hallucinating. My hands and feet went numb. I couldn't feel with my hands and feet. And the scary thing was there was still a 20-hour flight home if I could get on the plane. And I didn't know if I was going to, you know, I, had, I don't think I've ever had that thought before that I didn't know if I was going to make it. And the only option was to miss the flight and go to a, a local hospital there in India, which we weren't in a good part of India. All of the, uh, the hospitals were open air, you know, no air conditioning, stuff like that. And so, and so you just have the feeling like if I go there, I'm going to get something worse than what I came in with, you know. And, um, but it's, um, <clears throat> the reason I say all that is because I encountered something in that moment so so dark spiritually I knew that it was an attack from the enemy and many of you know this story that we were we finally got to the airport and Leah before we left she still had Wi-Fi and so she sent out a message to people uh, to some people you know to just pray for Jerry we don't can't we don't tell any details because I mean honestly you just um, in some countries you just want to get out of the country you know uh, before you start saying something. So anyway, she just said, <clears throat> um, you know, we don't have the details, but just everybody pray for Jerry. Well, that Sunday, many of you were here, that Sunday Pastor Cricket got up, and I didn't even know this until I went back and watched the Facebook Live. I hadn't put it all together yet in my mind. I went back and watched the Facebook Live, and Pastor got up here, and he said, well, we just got a message from Leah, and, you know, we need to pray for Jerry. And it was just a short, simple prayer. But I did the math. And that's exactly the time that everything reversed. That's exactly the time when I went from I don't know if I'm going to make it to I couldn't even think a clear thought. I didn't know if I was, I was going to be able to make it to suddenly by the time we landed in Chicago, I, I couldn't wait to get to McDonald's. And so there was a McDonald's right there in the airport and um, we, uh, we ate a lot of McDonald's. And I, I mean, and immediately I reversed 10 times quicker than I got there. You know what I'm saying? And so the reason I tell you all of that is because I had a thought 
I've had a lot of thoughts about that and a lot of revelations about uh, what happened there. But the thought that I had was, there is spiritual darkness that I am not equipped for. There are things going on around the world that if, 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 it, if it could have been reversed, there, there are people there fighting the spiritual fight right now that are ten times the, the people of God that I am. And they're fighting against the, dark, the darkness there right now. And, and they're seeing some turnaround and stuff like that. But it is dark and there is a heavy oppression, spiritual oppression on some places. And, I had a, and it, it made me afraid. Because for the first time in my life, I had experienced, you know, as a young believer, you're just like, we come against this and we come against that, you know. And there's really no idea what you're coming against. You just, you're just told to do it. But then you come against it and you're just like, I, I don't know if, if I want to do this. And I'm just going to be really candid with you. I had thoughts about, I don't, I don't think that I want to go forward in ministry. Just be really candid with you because I know I'm going to bump up against darkness like that. And I'm not who I'm supposed to be to make a difference there. And I was overwhelmed. And on, this, on the other hand, I thought, I know I could probably become a spiritual giant if I like prayed eight or ten hours a day. Like, the, I mean, you see here about these... People like, you know, we, we heard the story, I think it was Jesse Duplantis was saying it about how the devil uh, in his hotel room moved his bed all around the room, you know. No, that was, uh, who was that? It's the old, uh, from the, anyway. But, but anyway, so moved his bed all around the room and everything. And uh, so he woke up and he said, devil, get out of my room. And the devil, let, the de- demon left his room. He's like, no, no, on second thought, come back here and put my bed back where it was. You know, and he did it. You know, I know I, I, if, if I prayed like that person prayed. And I've spent, invested in my relationship with God. And I began, my faith began to build. Maybe I could be like that one day. And then I had the thought, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can live a life like that. And so you, you come to this crossroads where it's just like, do I go forward? You know, Jesus said you're supposed to count the cost. He's like, you're not supposed to build a building without first counting the cost. And I'm like, do I want to build this building? Because it's a lot, it's going to be more than I, I think I bargained for. It's going to be more than I, than I thought it was going to be. This thing is real. And I didn't know that. I mean, I knew it, knew it. You know what I'm saying? But it, I found out this thing is real. There's a real spiritual battle going on. But here's the revelation that I had. The revelation I had is that if the devil steals something, he's not going to give it back. Just because you stop opposing him. Just because you back off does not mean he will. Just because... There is a loss. And I want to tell you, I still suffer effect. I know that there are things in my body uh, still that I'm suffering from that experience. And, and, you know, we were on our way to Hot Springs uh, a couple days ago. And something reminded me of, of India. And I don't remember what it was. And I just got nauseous. And it took me a while to get, to get over it. I mean, it was just like, because of, um, and, and let me tell you this. If we had gone to India for vacation, if we had gone to India to appreciate 
this, the, the land, the culture, the people, I think I would have had an awesome time. I think it would have been the most memorable trip I've ever taken. But that's not why we went. We went to oppose darkness. And, but the revelation that I've had recently is that the devil will not give it back. The revelation I had was that God is the only restorative power in the universe. And also I had this revelation that I couldn't stand against something. But this whole church, this church, even if it was, I'm, I'm sure most people pre, just prayed a half, half-hearted prayer or whatever, but just because y'all were in semi-agreement in a short whatever prayer, the power that it had, that is it went all the way over to where I was in India and it parted the darkness. So I'm telling you, do not get isolated. Do not get alone in this time. You need us. And we need you. Because when we stand together as the body of Christ, all of the hell that, that for centuries had been there in India, God parted it so that restoration could come to just me. Just little me, because you asked for it. So, the only restorative power in existence is the presence of God. Somebody needs to know this morning that God does not waste anything. Somebody needs to know this morning that what you have lost in the past, God can restore. God will restore because that's what He does. It's who He is. You may think that things have gotten too bad for you. That you've lost too much. That you're in a deep, dark hole that nothing can reach into and pull you out. You may be feeling like you've had too much stolen by the enemy. And maybe like me, you stand in this uh, because you've, you've fought alone. That you're afraid to face the enemy. And you feel like that you've had too much stolen. But maybe you feel like the devil has nothing to do with it. Maybe you feel like you've simply done too much harm to yourself and to others to be forgiven. You've done too much for God to have compassion on you. For God to keep loving you. I tell you, God doesn't just stop the plan of the enemy. He restores what has been stolen, what has been killed, what has been destroyed. I'm going to read you this, this verse and then I'm going to do an, uh, we're going to have a time at the altar. I just uh, feel like there's some people in here that need to make up their mind who they're going to serve. If God be God, then serve Him. Psalms 103, 1 through 5 says this. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. I think some of us need, probably need to get up in the morning and get your Bible out. 
turn to Psalm 103, 1 through 5 and declare this out loud. I think some of you need to start saying this scripture out loud. I think that that is actually prophetic. I think somebody, I think you need to get up if you're feeling confused about God's intentions for you or about your future and what God has for you, you need to get up in the morning and read this scripture out loud. It's Psalms 103, 1 through 5. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Everybody stand to your feet this evening. If we can bring our lights low please. If you're in here this morning and you find yourself in a place where you really don't know which side you stand on. I'm not saying that you're living for the devil. I'm not saying you're not trying to live for God. But in the, at the end of the day, you look at your life and you say, I really don't know which side I'm on. I really don't know what, which side I stand on. Really, if I had to describe my life, it would be more neutral. Somewhere in the middle. God wants to tell you this morning that there is a gap. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I'm come to separate. And right now, there is a gap in the neutral zone. And there's going to come a day when it's going to be too wide to straddle. And you're going to have to choose a side. But there is grace this morning to choose today whom you will serve. This morning if you're in here and you say, I know I'm somewhere in the middle and God is calling me to be hot on fire and not cold and definitely not lukewarm. I just want to ask you this morning because right now I believe that God is calling you. I'm going to ask you to come to this altar and declare before God and everybody and make a declaration this morning that I am in this thing for the long haul. I am in this thing for real and I am on God's side. And no matter what comes, together we can stand against it. I want to tell you, we are in the end times. Things are winding down. And right now is not the time to be afraid not down, right now is not the time to cower back or to walk backwards now is the time to advance the word of god tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church and i'm going to tell you what that means in case you haven't thought about that yet gates don't move the gates are not advancing against you He's calling you and us to advance against the gates. What he is saying is the gates of hell cannot stand against the church 
when we're advancing against it. We are called to be on the offensive. We are called to advance against the gates of hell wherever they are. In El Dorado, in your own life, in our culture, in our nation, you are called to advance against the kingdom of hell. You are called to advance against the gates. And they won't stand. The Word of God tells us. You say, well, I fought this thing. I fought this thing. You fought alone. Together, the Bible says that the body of Christ will prevail against the gates of hell wherever they are. See, that's what the devil does. He comes into a place like where we were overseas. And he he builds walls and he puts up a gate. He says, this is my territory now. And some of you here this morning, you have a place in your life where he set up a gate. And he says, this is my territory. The Bible says, you may have fought this thing alone. But the Bible says that the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. That means the gates of hell in your own life. The gates that the devil has put up in your own life. The church can advance together with you. And we can see those things broken.